Welcome back, Footy Pod. This is actually a uh, milestone episode. We're on number 10, so we just hit double digits today, and we got a good guest uh, on today to to celebrate that milestone. His name is Gerard Voutier. Uh, that's how you say it, right? Correct. Yes. Okay, perfect. I was going to ask you that before we started recording, <laughs> but I nailed it, so we're good. Um, yeah, so Gerard and I, we go way back. Um, we actually... We were actually both first kind of getting our foot in the door in in the the youth soccer industry here in Dallas when we first met about <clears throat> six years ago now. Um, and, you know, we haven't really kept in touch since then, but I really respected what you were doing at the time and have watched you from afar. Mm-hmm. And you've obviously made a lot of noise with, with what you've been doing. So I'm looking forward to catching up and just hearing what you're up to these days. Well... Thanks for having me. You yeah. know, uh, really happy to be here for the milestone of the of the podcast. Yeah, number ten, number ten. And uh, man, I can't believe it's been six years. I know it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, times fly, uh, but no, same. Very excited to be here. Um, sorry that we haven't kept in touch. Yeah. Uh, but I know we we both got well. We got busy a lot schedule. going on. It it happens. And but. Uh, but I've been keeping in touch with what you're doing as well. Yeah. You know, social media is a big help for that. Well, and it was actually one of your parents um, on on your 09 girls team that had reached out to me that said she'd been listening to the the episodes so far and said wow. you'd be a great guest. And I was like, ah, oh, obviously. Like I don't know why I didn't think of him sooner, but. As soon as she said that, I reached out to you, and we made it happen, so I'm glad oh, we're here. That's awesome. Yeah, that's definitely. Awesome. So, at the time that we met, you were actually coaching with Dallas Rush. That's correct. So, you had uh, just girls teams at the time. Is that, you just have girls teams still? Uh, no, I at the time, I had both. Oh, did you? Uh, I already had both, yes. I started with a girls team only. Okay. Uh, so, my first girls team was uh, a, an 05, an 05 girls team at the time. Uh, when the age pure change happened, it became a no four team uh, that I still coach to this day. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I also had a no seven boys team that I think I was just starting at this time. Gotcha. Um, so yes, I you know I was coaching at Dallas Rush, but I also had my academy, uh, Smart Soccer Academy. That's right. And that's where most of my team at the time evolved. Um, you know, they they all started for from little skills group that we grew into uh, a team and then we passed it along into you know uh, at Dallas Rush yeah and uh, they start competing as a as a team from there and that's that's where we kind of were at similar stages you know when we first met because we kind of made that same progression we ended up just building our academy teams you know out of our uh, training program um, but I definitely want to talk more about that transition you made into Dallas Rush and then now with Defeater's Kicks mm-hmm. and how that has all kind of played out for you. But let's start with just going all the way back to whenever you first started playing soccer. Tell us about how you first got involved in the game and, you know, uh, your experiences as a youth player. And uh, I first got into the game by, uh, I think it was really following my dad you know um, my dad uh, played every weekend you know on the, in a men's league uh, he played uh, you know not at a professional level but at a pretty high level uh, and um, and I would follow him you know every Sunday every Saturday I was on the field 
Uh, I was kicking the ball with them. With them, my favorite thing I remember was you know uh, the 30 minutes prior to their games. Uh, during the warm-up, I was allowed to yeah. get on the field. And, and that you was know, your big moment, huh? Exactly, yeah. Touch the ball with, with the older guys, and, yeah, I loved it. And that's that's what got me into the game. Um, and, uh, you know, I just I, I always had a love, a passion for that game, and uh, that's really where it came from. Um, I Everything that I've done, I had a ball. You know, we were able to bring balls to school, so yeah. I, would be, I would have a ball in my feet, you know, from home to school. Uh, we would play every single recess, came back into the classroom, just absolutely drenched. Yeah. Uh, go back for lunch, you know, same at recess. I mean, it was all day long. And what then a life. It, you, you leave school and you're still playing as long as you can until you got to do homework. And then after your homework, you go to practice. And so it was it was an everyday, an everyday thing. It's, at what age do you start playing, like, organized soccer? Uh, the organized part started at six. Okay. And I just play for uh, a little club, my city club, uh, from the age of 6 to 10. Uh, and uh, when I was at the end of 10, then my dad like literally like took me and uh, for a tryout at, uh, at PSG oh, um, nice. and, uh, and made it, you know, on the first try. Dang. And so I already started playing for PSG at U11, U11 to U18. That's uh, massive. And, uh, because that's the club in, in it was the club in yeah. the area. You know, there's a few clubs that, uh, you know, you have the little city clubs. There's so many little ones all around. And yeah. then there's a few ones, maybe like five to ten ones that are regional. That, yeah, regionals. Yeah, yeah, regionals that will, if you excel in there, then you would be yeah. fed into, into PSG. And uh, so I was able to make that jump directly into PSG, which was huge. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and so... So up to that point, you'd just been playing for like recreational level teams, or how was the structure like from six to ten? Six to ten is it's uh, it's club soccer, you yeah. know. It's uh, it's pretty much uh, I would compare it to to academy here. Okay. Um, there's no there's no. But it was real... just a lower level of club. Yes. Gotcha. Yes, it is, and uh, and you you play in the league where your club belongs. In, in some ways, mm-hmm. uh, so if you if your club get promoted to a higher league, then you play at a higher level. Yeah. And uh, at the time, I think we were probably in like fifth division, and uh, and we're winning game like, you know, ten to zero at a time and stuff like that. So, uh, <coughs> it, it can it became very easy, and uh, I can tell you this day we uh, we went to a local little local tournament and um, and we made it all, we made our way to the final. And in the final, we absolutely get crushed by PSG. Like, I think, again, yeah. probably was 10-0 in the final. And I remember coming off the field and uh, and my mom, which doesn't really know much about soccer. You know, she, my dad is all soccer. My mm-hmm. mom doesn't really care about it. Um, but she was like, you know what the biggest difference were between you and that team? And I was like, no. They were like, they were organized. They were organized. And you, you guys look like a bunch of kids out there just you running, know, running around, around yeah. and doing cartwheel and all that from the start from their warm-up to the way they walk on the field and all that they were professional they were organized hey those little things and set a tone yes yes and from there then i don't know maybe my dad <laughs> my dad got offended by it and uh, and took me there and uh yeah and, and made the team that's awesome so, so you you started with PSG at U11. Yes. Correct. And you know, obviously the first team is in the top division. So are you playing against all the other 
clubs in the top division. Yes. And that's uh, how it works? Well, it's, uh, it's still a regional. It's the top regional league at the time. So right. you know, from U, U11 to U14 now. Um, uh, so they, it's all regional. There's no national league. Uh, so U11, U12, U13, uh, you play at the top of your region. Okay. And, uh, and so... Uh, so you could still be playing some of the non-fully professional correct, clubs as well. Correct. Most of the teams that you play are non-professional. Okay. And then you have a few like the Red Star, Cretay, you know, that um, you know, are professional like at the D2 or national level. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but the rest of it are just, are just little clubs that made it to the top level and most likely usually it's from you know, the culture that surround their city mm. uh, a lot of it is inner city kids you know um, and uh, and then so yeah we played we played a lot of like regional team and then uh, once we got to tournaments then that's when we we would travel and play actually other professional club and uh, and I can tell you that U11 U12 was the the times where I played against the most you know professional clubs yeah. in my life so it was like a wake up you know? call to you yeah we you know we traveled to places where we played Juventus, AC Milan, Glasgow, Arsenal, Juventus, um, and uh, the biggest clubs in the world. Biggest club in the world, <laughs> and you don't realize. I mean, you realize it in some way as a kid. Yeah. But when you look back at it and uh, and you tell people, it's it's different, you know. Yeah. Uh, and you, it, when you're a kid, you're just you're just going through it. You're just experiencing yes. it day by day, and you don't know anything different. So it's just like it's regular life to you you know yeah. and then looking back on it is whenever you realize yeah. how big of a deal that really was no exactly and it's funny because now you can really tell i could see it through my dad's eyes but i could i could not yeah you know from my head around it at that time right i was just i was just playing yeah just playing <laughs> yeah that's that's what i wanted to do that's what i love and uh and so you know it's part of of not taking anything for granted when you realize chance that you had to play those teams to be part of that it's it's huge no doubt and that's that's what I want for my players you know that's yeah. what uh, I want them to have that same feeling looking back over and see how lucky they were to compete at that level yeah. and, and play against certain players and and so and uh, but yeah so moving on from there um, once we get to the once I get to probably U14 U15 that's when Physically, I probably struggled. I started struggling and um, never made it right away into the National League, you know, pretty Just much because the top you didn't team. have the athleticism of no. some other players? Exactly. Yeah. And uh, Well, and I know in France they, you know, because Griezmann got put off for the same thing. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So is that something that they look at heavily like they do here in the U.S.? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I don't know if you if you look at Matuidi, Blaise Matuidi, mm -hmm. uh, you know, plays played for PSG now, plays for Juventus. Yeah. Um, the guys bounced from club to club to club as keep because he was too small. Yeah. And uh, and you see who but he is today. Engine. Yes, he is. He's got he's got three lungs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and so so yeah, it was tough. Like and uh, and I gotta say, you know, it's that's when at that time you really gotta love the game. Yeah. Because, you know, fourteen, fifteen it's also the time where you wanna be you become a teenager, you want to be with your friend, you know, you have girlfriends and stuff like that. And so if you don't love the game, it's easy to 
to go a different route. Sure. And uh, and so you get pushed to the second team. Even at time coming back from injury, you start on the third team. Then you got to make your way back up and made you know a few appearances on the first team. Then drop back to the second. And so it's been like that all the way almost you know uh, to U18. I would say. So they had they had. Uh, a first team reserve team and then even a third team for each age group oh there there was more than that we had really? uh, yes because there is a part of uh, i mean it's you have what you got to see is first of all a professional club for example uh if it's part of a of a city those city kids are able to come play for that team that's what people don't understand is if uh, you know if you're part of a you know it's called paris saint germain but uh, the club is not in Paris, it's in Saint-Germain. Oh. And so if you are part of Saint-Germain, you know, if you live in Saint-Germain, you're allowed to come play for the club. Okay. So they have a lot of different teams. And I think the older you, 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 you get, you know, in the ages, the less teams there are. Because even the kids that want to play for PSG and, you know, but don't have the level, they always, you know, sit on the bench, get yeah. dropped and all that. So eventually you get less and less teams. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, I think all along we had at least at least five or more teams. Gotcha. And, and so yeah. Yeah, I mean that would be more of a similar model to like you know an FC Dallas here yeah. or you know another another MLS club here. You know, so I just thought that that was uh, different. I, I I don't think many other European clubs have that model, do they? Um. I'm pretty I sure. I mean, they where do, they yeah. have the community teams like that, like I think what the thing after that that separates it is uh, you have uh, you really have the the players that you know get into the academy, yeah, so to speak, and uh, and so usually you still have like what we see from the outside is only the academy teams. Sure, but there's also like the you know the what I would call almost the wreck part of the club. Yeah, and uh, and that you don't you don't really see it, and you see it probably at the youngest age group. But like I said, once it gets up in the ages, then those those teams eventually and those players go. Yeah, fade away. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I mean you gotta you know take advantage of that market. Yeah. Obviously, you gotta capture as much as you can there. Um, so now at U eighteen, you know that's a pivotal moment because yeah. you either go pro or you got to figure something else out. Exactly. So what happened next? Uh, what happened next is well, I know that. Me personally, I would not get a contract for yeah. the club, um, and um, and I had the chance to uh, to go uh, on the summer camp to IMG Academy. Uh, my mom, my parents sent me to oh, to, cool. to that camp. Uh, you know, my mom has always been big on languages, and so anything that involved uh, soccer and and the language, yeah, she would send me. Uh, the the year prior to that. I went to the Bobby Charlton camp okay. uh, at Manchester where, you know, gigs and, and the Beckham came from. Did you uh, know any English at the time? Uh, I thought I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now you, you realize quickly that you, you don't, yeah. you know. Um, and, um, and so once I, so I went to, uh, to AMG Academy for a summer camp and um, they actually offered me a scholarship to, to come back and play. And, uh, you know, Something aside, always had a dream of living in the U.S. and yeah. and so uh, I took the opportunity, you know, to also being able to 
kind of continue what I wanted to do, uh, meaning like try to reach the professional level in soccer in the U.S. and also kind of getting back in track, yeah. uh, you know, um, academically, because once something that people, a lot of people don't really realize is once you do the soccer route in, in Europe, you, a lot of the time you leave school behind, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a lot different than what it is here. And so, uh, so those two things, you know, uh, came together and was able to move to the U.S. and play at IMG Academy under probably, to me, the best coach that I had. Who is that? Uh, Tom Durkin. Okay. Uh, great coach. Uh, American, grew up in Brazil. Uh, absolutely phenomenal. I mean, to me, probably one of the best coaches I played under. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so I two great years where I was just literally doing what I wanted, you know, it's playing. This you know. was at 19 and 20? Uh, yes, 18 okay. and 19, yes. So then who are you competing against at that, at that level? Uh, we were playing uh, in, the, in a league in Florida, youth league, uh, the U19 age group. Okay. Uh, so when I was U18, we were playing, I mean, both years, U18 and U19. Uh, it was a youth league in Florida. I can't remember the gotcha. name of it. Uh, they would also have us playing the men's league on the on the weekend. So we would play the the youth league on Saturday and then the the men's league on on the Sunday morning. Okay. And uh, and it was good. I mean, I can tell you that the men's league that we were playing, a lot of the teams had a bunch of old uh, professional yeah. players or uh, you know college players and mm -hmm. all that. And it was high. It was, it was tough. Yeah. When you're a young kid, you're not fully developed, and you play against those yeah. the grown men and all that. It's it's a good, it was good competition. And then, um, then after that, you know, competing into some of the tournaments all across the, the nation, came here to Dallas, won Dallas Cup in uh, 2005, I think. Oh, nice. Uh, so yeah, no, it was, it was a, you know, probably, two of the best year in my life. And I can at IMG, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just doing what you love to do exactly. and not really have any other responsibilities, you no. know what I mean? Like, yeah. doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. So, you know, what what are they ultimately preparing you there for there at IMG? Like, obviously, you know, they have a big draw for the national team, mm -hmm. but, like, what what is their ultimate goal in developing players? I think they they want to prepare you for the next level. Yeah. You know. Uh, Do they actually help you with that process in terms of like connecting you with clubs or agents or? They do. Yes. I think uh, you know IMG also have a part of it that's uh, you know it's a uh, it's an they have their own like a uh, player agent agency at IMG, um, and uh, and so if you are well renowned players, you know like Freddie Adu. Yeah. Uh, Adu was there the two years that I was there. Oh really? Yeah. And uh, and you know the he had agents from from IMG Academy uh, there with him all the time. Um, he's surrounded by you know uh, so like I said a lot of coaches agents that will put you in touch with you know either the right colleges or the right teams. Uh, a lot of the MLS clubs were coming to do their preseason you know uh, at uh, IMG uh -huh. as well, and uh, you know a lot of the clubs would would come and look at. Are you you know training uh, on the in the afternoon when they were done and all that, so you constantly had surround you know we're surrounded by high level professionalism of 
you know, whether it is soccer, basketball, you know, tennis, yeah. uh, and, uh, and, and all of it, you know, they're constantly trying to prepare you for, for what's next. And, uh, you know, we, we had a daily uh, class of um, uh, sports conditioning, not sports conditioning, uh, how do you call it? Just like performance training? Well, we did that performance training. Um, no, but it was like a... Ah, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, whatever, you will come back to me. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> no, the... Uh, they teach you how to... How to, you know, talk to media. How to, how to you know... Okay, so how to, PR stuff. Yes, uh, how to present yourself, how to talk to media, yeah. you know, uh, uh, mental conditioning, sorry. Okay. So okay. it was a mental conditioning yeah. class. And uh, and so those things really, you know, help you, especially for me, not knowing the language, mm. it was tough. It was, sure. it was tough and it really helped me, you know, for what's next for me was college, you know, yeah. from others, others that went directly and professionals. Uh, so we had a good class, especially when we were at IMG, where I think uh, almost five, five players went really? professional after that. Yeah, it's not it's not a bad turnout there. No, no. So at so. that point, were you looking more to continue your education, go to college, or did you did you have some options lined up to get trials, or you know, what was the situation? I uh, I didn't get the option of uh, going on trial. Um, I think that. You know, I was contacted by, um, you know, a few colleges, uh, and um, and so it was kind of a natural process on that side. I never really had to look for it or anything. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know if uh, if there was anything done in the background. I just know that uh, after, you know we played the Nike friendlies done at IMG every year, and then and uh, a lot of the colleges would be standing at the end of the field and my coach after the game, after the pre-game speech, I mean the post-game speech would be like, hey, Gerard, go see that coach. He's nice. looking for, you know, he wants to talk to you. And so, uh, so he, he kind of came naturally and yeah. I, to be honest, I was kind of not sure how everything worked and maybe it's a lack of, of me trying to understand how the system worked in the U.S. Um, but it was really... I started. You had to go to college, and then you know, then professionally. And obviously, uh, education was a big thing for me too. Yeah. But uh, I said the next step was really to to go to college first. Yeah. And um, and so I, uh, like I said, I talked to a few colleges. Uh, I ended up in you know at uh, the University of Louisville uh, in Kentucky. Uh, absolutely loved it. I had five great years in Louisville. Um, you know I. The environment that we were in on a daily basis was absolutely amazing. I think being a, a student athlete is something that even if you go professional after that, everybody should experience uh, because it's just a difference. I mean, you you play yeah, college. Yeah, it's, it's a privilege for it, sure. It, it is, and uh, and so you you really got to experience it. And uh, I can tell you, I was not I was not a big fan of uh, soccer in college. Yeah, I hated it. Just the style, <laughs> the style of play. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but just the everyday life of a student athlete that I just I loved it and yeah. and like I said I've always loved the game so well because you get the best of both worlds you know you get yeah. 
the education and the experience of being able to like just enjoy your college years but then at the same time still play at a very high level and have that professional just yes. atmosphere and I think that's definitely why a lot of foreign players come and play for you know schools here yeah. you know I went to West Texas A&M and pretty much our whole team was international mm-hmm. so um, it's 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 very normal and um, you know it's something that like I think that in in Europe there's not really that option you know but I was talking to uh, another guest that I had on recently uh, Tomas he coaches for Colleyville Evolution he's mm-hmm. one of our premier players he went to a uh, university in Ireland that had a League of Ireland team you know connected wow. to their university so like they still had that option of going to school getting their education mm-hmm. but playing professionally mm-hmm. and it's kind of a mixture of you know the setup that we have here yes. our system yeah. so obviously you know ours doesn't really work and we need to figure <laughs> out how to make it work but maybe that is a way that it can work like you mm-hmm. know getting getting our college teams instead of playing in the NCAA why don't they just play in uh, a you know USL or or you know with the UPSL growing like I know that there are some college teams that play in the UPSL in California and stuff like that so I don't know times could be changing yeah and uh, you know I I know that when I was in college or even when I was at IMG I uh, I played PDL every summer mm-hmm. you know and it's a, it's a great avenue for for the next step and I don't think they use it enough you yeah. know um, because as a college player you know some players want to go professional but they also yeah. want to get their education yeah and uh, and so so using PDL to be seen to be recruited uh, I don't think they do a good enough job on that I agree but I also think that they maybe don't take advantage of it because they don't see the actual value in it because to be honest there's not really a direct path from that level to get to a higher level you know what I mean you just Mm kind of have to get lucky the same way you would get lucky getting seen by someone playing in any other competition you know what I mean so it's not like they have the opportunity with their team to get promoted or to get signed you know like to a, 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 a higher level team like it's that that kind of thing is not really going to happen mm-hmm. it's just the way the system is here now if there was an actual path that would be a different story yes but you know I think there's two sides of that unfortunately yeah. uh, so you then went to Louisville in what year uh, 2005 okay and then so you would have graduated in 2010 exactly yes okay correct. yeah so, did you redshirt a year? Is that why you had to... I did redshirt a year, yeah. yeah. Was it injury, I, or what happened? I tore my ACL. Oof. Yeah. That's I rough. mean, actually, everything. ACL, MCL, PCL, huh? meniscus. How long did that put you out? Uh, nine months, exactly. Uh, I did it my first week back of preseason. Um, and uh, and I came back, I think, uh, in April. Like, yeah. you know, right Very at the... end of the year. Yes. For the la- I was ready for the last game of, uh, of spring, spring season, season yeah. and uh, I didn't rough. step on the field. <laughs> so you got a medical red shirt for that? Correct, yes. That was, wait, so that was your sophomore year, you said? That was my uh, my junior year. Junior year. Yeah. Okay. Well, at least you had two more years still after that. Two more years, uh, but it was, you know, it's tough. 
it's uh, it's tough to come back from an injury like that. Did it cause any other problems for you? Uh, well, to me, I think he just ended, you know. Really, like your my potential. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think from there, I it never came back the same. Um, I didn't have a coach that was believing in me anymore, you know, at the time. Uh, despite that, you know, I did have coaches on there that would push for me, you yeah. know. Uh, but uh, but it was it was just tough. He had his yeah. players, you know. It was set. I was not his style. It was very direct. Mm -hmm. I was a guy that wanted to put the ball on the ground and play. Yeah. And uh, and for him, it was all about you know winning. You know, playing direct, winning the second ball. And uh, and I'm not like that. <laughs> so when you came back, you were just kind of you know like strung around for a little bit and you hung on for the last two years but Correct. really you knew at that point that you weren't really trying to pursue it much Correct. further after that yes and uh and it's you know i always had big dreams uh you know obviously when uh, again when we come back to what we talk about playing against some of the teams when you're so young and all that obviously you you have big dreams of becoming like you know playing at the highest level yeah. And uh, and so once you know I kind of saw that kind of fade away, um, I I was not too attracted by going to play at a lower level or starting back at a lower level and making my way back up. Mm -hmm. I just uh, I just wanted to start coaching. You know, it's something that I wanted to now being able to make an impact into uh, someone else's life and love the game as much as I do, and hopefully for them to make it up to the highest level yeah um and i said that i could go play at a you know lower level and and maybe make a name of myself or i could just start coaching and get really, a head start on coaching exactly and yes really build something greater than you could have as a player exactly i totally can relate to that man yeah and so and you know it's only been an amazing journey from there really yeah. I can say enough you know I love what I do every so single day so then what day. brought you to Dallas um my wife really I think um you know uh you guys went to college together we went to college together we uh we met my freshman year uh and um you know her parents got divorced when she was in college um her mom and brother still lives in Kentucky uh her dad moved to Dallas and we uh, we came and visited him a few times, uh, you know, when we were in college. And uh, she just, we were both uh, not wanting to stay in Louisville, you know, when we graduated from college. So it was, we both agreed that yeah. we wanted to move out of there. She kind of wanted to get closer to that. I got a job opportunity with uh, Street Soccer Academy, uh, you know, uh, with a guy named Shannon Orr that I contacted from Louisville. And it was like, hey, I'd uh, love to, you know, I think he just, he had just started uh, in January and I contacted him in May. And uh, so it was still very new. Yes. Like he hadn't really built much up yet. No. And he was just like, um, you know, your resume sounds great. Once yeah. you get here, contact me. And then, uh, and then you just worked out. Yeah. <laughs> so we kind of took a chance, both of us saying like, hey, we, let's see how he goes. Do you still work with him? Uh, I don't. I don't. He uh, he uh, he moved away uh, to Arizona to be with his girlfriend, which now is his wife. Okay. Um, I think in two and a half years after we started working together. So, so then uh, that's whenever in you kind of took over. Yeah, that's when I took over gotcha. and you know change 
at the time was Street Soccer Academy that he had built uh -huh. uh, and uh, kind of kept the same program, changed the name, uh, named it Smart Soccer Academy. Why did you change the name? Uh, because he was keeping the name. Oh, okay. He, he wanted to, he was like, hey, if, you know, I'm keeping the name just in case I want to build uh, the same in Arizona. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but he was like, but uh, but you can keep the logo, and I love the logo. It was it was something. Yeah, the logo was cool. Yeah, and so I was like, I gotta do something with two S's. Yeah. And uh, someone told me uh, one day, you're always telling the kids like, be smart, play smart. Why don't you call it Smart Soccer Academy? There you and, go. Uh, and I thought about plenty of names. I was like, yeah, why not? You yeah. Know? And um, and so yeah. So tell me more about like the structure of that program structure of that program why well, it was you know um, so Shannon Orr uh, which probably was one of the greatest mentors I've had in coaching in coaching you know uh, was absolutely a genius you know as far as uh, training kids and getting kids engaged uh, you know into the training session and really loving the game and uh, the way he was able to manage his training sessions and all that was, I was blown away, really. Uh, and, uh, and so I really learned a ton from him. But he, what we had in mind is, uh, is to, you know, he's, he's gone through the entire uh, club system, grew up in Dallas, went through the, you know, played through the club system and then started coaching in the club system. And, uh, and he was, we were on the same page. All we wanted to do is, is really develop players without any interference. Um, and uh, and he's never been able to do it in the club system because you know either he was losing his players or losing his teams right. and all that, and so that's why he's created like Street Soccer Academy at the time was to to rework on the on the fundamental of the game at the youngest age, mm -hmm. and uh, and also developing the love of the game in a in a fun and yet developmental environment. And, uh, and that's what we did, you know, the, so we, we just created, like, a, a lot of people would call it skills, we just yeah, refused to call it skills, you know, uh, it was... A buzzword, huh? Yeah. You didn't want that in there. It was, it was, <laughs> it was an academy. You I know? hate we, saying skills, too. We, we just developed them, you know, we, we had the structure from, like, months to months, what the topic was, and, and just, like a, just like a real academy would do, like, yeah. at the youngest, uh, youngest age group. And uh, eventually, you know, the, the little groups that we had grew, uh, you know, and uh, a lot of it was, you know, it's uh, players from the same team, you know, that was seeing results on the weekend that start coming out to those sessions. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then eventually, um, you know, created a, a team out of that, you know, the, and uh, which come to my 2004 girls team, you know, I coached. They were still playing for the Texans at the time, and I coached the entire team. And uh, and at the time, I refused to be in, get into the club system. I just wanted to focus on the development of players, and that's mm -hmm. it. And uh, they finally convinced me to do it. So that's when we went to Dallas Rush, because we wanted a place where we can still uh, that where they would kind of leave us alone and do do our own thing. Because um, you were the only Dallas Rush coach team here in Dallas, right? Because Rush is all over the place. At the, at the time, I wasn't. Okay. Rush was actually one of the biggest clubs in Dallas. And when they were in, in full full, uh, full extension, um, 
they were really growing. I think they had 33 teams at a point at that at some oh, point. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, and so we, but what we like is, uh, well, you know, we 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 love what Royce stands for and uh, the value of the club and uh, and also the fact that. Uh, you know, when we met with Chad Deering, which was the DOC at the time, he, he told us, hey, you know, um, we will leave you alone, you know, um, as long as you guys respect the value of the clubs and, uh, and you know, we'll let you guys do what you want, develop as a team, you know, we'll check on you and make sure that everything goes well. And if you ever need anything, just let us know. And we we're like, that's perfect. That's exactly what we want is continue to develop with the group that we have without in the interference. But at the same time, still have the structure and the resources exactly. that a big club can yes. provide. Yes. Okay, so and that makes more sense. For some reason, I didn't recognize that Dallas Rush had that many teams. And I thought you were, like, the only representative of Rush here in the Dallas area. Because they are all over the place. They are. It's the biggest club in the world. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. They have, uh, I think, I think 42... Something like forty club in the in the U.S. and fifty throughout the world, and I think it's a total of like over forty thousand kids. Sounds like a headache to manage. Uh, but that's that's the thing, you know. They they really have something great in place, which is you know uh, people that that they that they hire or to to really open up a branch, really have the same vision, they have the same values, and uh, they're all under the same values of Rush, mm-hmm. Rush soccer. And um, and I think that, you know, after that, they kind of leave you. It's, it's your own club. Yeah. You do what you want, but uh, but you have to respect those values. And uh, and they have a great way of, of bringing, you know, players and teams together to really still feel that you are part of, of the biggest club in the world and they, they have like uh, you know they, they have something called Rush Select uh, where you send your top players from your club every every year uh, to build like a mini Rush national, national team. team yes cool. and that team travels to the top uh, tournaments in the country you know Dallas Cup um, you know the, the Vegas Cup you know the I mean you name it they yeah. enter like some of the biggest one, but on top of that, um, they send like uh, the Rush Select teams to uh, travel throughout Europe once a year. So that's the selected team goes and uh, spend two. I know for my girls, my O four girls, they went two weeks in Italy and uh, and played uh, you know against some top team in Italy and all that. But create an opportunity that that you don't really have with other yeah. other clubs. For sure. And uh, I can tell you, for my girls, it's it opened up their eyes to a lot of things. Well, that's something that a lot more teams are starting to do is they're able to, you know, they have the connections where they're able to take their teams over and have these experiences, mm-hmm. which are so important for players to, like, see what the end goal is. You yeah. know what I mean? If they have no idea what it looks like, then they're never going to be able to work for towards it mm-hmm. and so you know that's something that a lot more teams are starting to do and I think it's great I can't wait until I have the opportunity to take my boys you yeah. know to anywhere it doesn't matter where you know just anywhere just to have that experience with them I'm, I'm looking forward to that for sure yeah. 
Now, whatever you, to me, traveling the world, like, open your eyes to so much stuff, and especially yeah. the soccer culture, you know. Absolutely. And, uh, it's because every culture is different, yes. and I just want to like soak it all in, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I feel like I, I'm missing out on a big like chunk of that. I feel like there's a hole right now missing <laughs> because I haven't experienced all of that, you know. Yeah. But uh, no, I'm definitely looking forward to it. So. Then now let's talk about the transition when you made that you made going from Dallas Rush to now the Defeaters Kicks. Yes. What happened with that? Well, uh, so again, you know, once we once we made the transition into Dallas Rush with that my 2004 girls, um, then eventually all the group that was coming out from Smart Soccer uh, transition into a becoming a rush team as well and I think uh, at the time we had up to like uh, I think probably seven teams I mean you know I was in charge of seven teams and um, and my older girls uh, the 2004 um, you know were being too successful in some way uh, they needed the challenge uh, and uh, you know also you know how the the soccer world works here. Um, everybody wanted to try to play in the highest league. We felt that that they were not getting challenged enough. Maybe two or three games per season uh, where they were really getting challenged. But the rest of it, you know, the league, the you know, Lake Islands League, uh, was getting watered down uh, by all the, you know, by ECNR and other leagues that That's were, that were that coming out. They, yeah, they started yeah. to pop up. I think they had Champions League at the time too. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so it really took away a lot of of uh, competition for us, and uh, and so at that point it was almost like uh, well, either we made a transition to a, to a bigger club where we can play at that level, or I'm gonna start probably losing some of my players soon uh, because they're gonna want to go to those clubs to play at that level, yeah. uh, and which I would understand, you know, uh, and. Uh, and so that's really how the initial transition was was uh, to take my 2004 girls to the defeaters uh, and uh, and became the ECNL team at that time. Gotcha. And I think it was at a great time where you know it worked out with with so the that club. was the main piece behind that decision. Correct. Gotcha. Yes, and that was the only piece that moved at the time. Okay. That was just this team, um, and. Uh, well, actually, sorry, not this team, this age group, because we had a, a second team. We started. Were you creating. the head coach of that team? Yes. And you were the head coach of your teams that remained at Rush. Correct. So that didn't create any kind of conflict of interest. No, not if you, uh, not if you coach at. Uh, you can coach for two different clubs if it's not at the same age group. So okay. the the other team. So we moved the two to 2004 teams to the defeaters that we had. Uh, and then after that, my 07 boys stayed rush. You know, I had the 09 girls that say stay rush. I think we started building a 2010 rush uh, team at the time too. And um, and so all those teams had no, I mean, there was no conflict of interest, yeah. you know, uh, because different age groups, some of it were different genders. Makes and, sense. And so it didn't affect anything that I was doing with the defeaters on the side. Uh, and so we decided to to come and play for the defeaters uh, and become the CNL team 
at the time they were looking to rebuild that ECNL team, so it worked out perfectly for them too. You know, they were able to. So they still to, had some players that they were able to add on to what you had. Yes, we did. We did add on like a few players. Nice. Uh, few of the players that uh, that were defeated players and playing in the ECNL team at the time, uh -huh. and also players uh, you know uh, that came from other clubs, uh, and uh, and we became the. The UCNL team at that age, gotcha. and um, and still up to that point, you know, uh, kind of like was under the same, um, I would say, uh, the same contract that we had when we moved over to Rush, uh, where they it's like hey, we want to become the UCNL team, but we also you know we gotta understand that this is what I'm doing at yeah. Rush as well, and we, I want to be kind of left alone on, on being able to be doing both and uh, the defeaters at the time kind of agreed and uh, and so and from there that's that's how it started and you know the the same season that we we moved over I think uh, Juan Martinez uh, actually merged with with the with the club as well okay. um, and um, and so he kind of became that season defeaters kicks uh, defeaters were on the girl side, kicks were on the boy side uh, for the for the first season, um, and then eventually all merged together to, to become defeaters kicks, um, and uh, and it's really you know that's where we are today, and and we we started uh, so I kept my I kept both of them separated, uh, Rush and the defeaters up until uh, this past summer, and. Uh, and really, you know, the the main reason behind it is because I love everything that we're doing at at DKSC. Yeah. Um, we have a we have a tremendous group of coaches, you know, directors uh, that are all, you know, uh, all the sole goal of like the entire organization is is to develop is to develop the players, and it's 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 about the players, and it's not about anything else. Yeah. And uh, and we have uh, we have like I said we have a great group of, of uh, coaches and directors that you know what we all have in common is there's there's no ego and so when there's no ego and you have a lot of people that want the same thing that have the same goal and want to keep learning on a daily basis and will push each other on a daily basis then great thing happens oh yeah and and so it's it's really putting like-minded you know coaches together like-minded players together. And uh, and so right now, you know, couldn't be happier with the decision. Well, that's what it's all about, man. Like, I think, you know, these days people are more um, motivated by having something that's, um, how do you say, like not a monetary incentive, but more of a, ch a, a personal challenge, you yeah. know, where they can actually, like, work on themselves. That's what people want these days. Mm -hmm. Um, so creating that culture within your club where you're just attracting people that have that same mindset is crucial. It sounds yeah. like you guys are doing a good job of it. Um, I want to talk more about um, your younger teams. So, well, first of all, how are your 04s doing now? Are you still have them? Yes, doing great. Yeah? Doing great. Um, I mean, we, you know, we created, yeah, I still have them. It's not just them. You know where uh, the ECNL team, the top group, is is really doing well. So there you, U sixteen now. Okay. Um, just get back from uh, from a Houston showcase where they actually 
beat the defending national champ four to one. Uh, they played two other top ten team in the nation, and uh, Taiwan beat the other one. Uh, so they they really we had a rough start of the season. It's kind of been up and down, uh, mostly because we we lost two very important pieces on our team last season on ACL surgeries. Mm. Um, and uh, and so it was we we had to recruit more players, and you know when you bring new players in and get it a takes re- time exactly to get a different in. system and. And so it's really, it really started to gel, and the, the girls are doing great right now. You know, That's awesome. I'm very happy with it. Um, also, have a, now, uh, you know, they have what they call ECRL, which is kind of like a, the second ECNL league. Okay. Um, and uh, they are also uh, doing great, you know. Uh, is it the same group that plays in that that's league? That's not or the do same group. That's, a, that's another group. Okay. Um, so it's a completely different team, or it's the same team, but just different players? You see what I'm saying? Like, are you using more, like, reserve players for that game? Or is it just a completely it's, different team? It's a different team. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Event, uh, yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to keep it simple. It is. Yeah. Uh, it's a completely different team, a completely different group. Uh, tremendous group as well. They've gone all season undefeated so far. Nice. Uh, and, uh, and it's really unfortunate that all those things are happening these days because uh, I think they were on to doing big thing, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're recording this in the midst of a uh, global pandemic, by the exactly. way, guys. Yeah. This coronavirus is no joke. So, um, which, by the way, what are you doing during this time to keep your players active and engaged? Like, uh, what do I do? I mean, we send them ideas of workouts. I mean, there, there are, you know, we, we've been t- telling the the girls to to stay active every day at least. Uh, you know, going out and touches the ball for like an hour. You know, my I kind of get that from uh, you know from another program, but I do believe that you gotta try to get about twenty five hundred touches per day. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so the way you do it, it's up to you. Um, you know, we give you ideas, but uh, again, I am all about having creative players, and uh, I don't want to tell you what to do exactly. You know, and so all I know is you have a ball create that relationship with the ball, go out there and do what you want, juggling, hitting long balls, playing, you know, against a wall, uh, you name it, doing little one-on-one moves, you know, skills move. Uh, so that's what we're really asking yeah. them to do. We're also giving them, like, ideas of fitness and and uh, and core work and strength work and so stuff to keep them in shape as well. Sure. Uh, but what we really want is, is for them to kind of challenge each other and and uh, in a way that when they're working out we ask them or their parents to record that so then we can post it on our social media uh, for them to see what each other is doing and kind of pushing challenging build that engagement and that sense of community especially in a time like this where we're all separated you know what I mean like that's one thing I told my boys I've been having like video chat one-on-ones with them Mm -hmm. you know just because I mean, hey, it very well could be the end of our season, so yep. might as well go ahead and do that right now and kind of help guide them during this time. But so I told him is like, stay connected to your teammates. You know, make sure you're still like calling them, you know, texting them, set up FaceTime sessions, or you guys can like go and train together or whatever. Like, but mm-hmm. stay connected to your team because that that's that's going to be the hardest thing to keep together. You know, yeah. for, especially for a lot of maybe teams that have some players that are on the fence, you know, where where you don't know if they're, like, all the way in or not, you mm-hmm. know. 
I think that with my O9 group, like I'm pretty much solid there. Like I, I'm not too worried about that, but I'm sure, I mean, in the past, I definitely would have been worried if we came to a time like this where, you know, mm -hmm. there's a potential where we don't see our kids for five months, you yeah. know what I mean? So it's just a weird, weird time. It's tough. It yeah. really is. And uh, despite how bad it is, I think that's, again, there's all, you always got to draw some some positive, positive things yeah. out of it. And I think uh, having players work on their own with the ball, uh, I think it's it's a positive. Yeah, I think yeah. They, they, don't, they don't get to spend that much time. I mean, they don't have enough time to really do that on a daily, weekly basis. Mm -hmm. And so and that's a... That's a good side of it right now. For sure. But I don't know about you, but like my experience so far, I've noticed that, you know, some players are about it. Like they'll go out and they'll, you know, create their own little sequences and combinations with the ball where, you know, they're being challenged and you can see their mind actually like working. Mm -hmm. And then there are some where, you know, I'll send out like examples of things that they can do. And they'll just copy it, you know, their mind's not really in it. They're getting touches, but they're not quality touches. Mm -hmm. And then there are some who just don't do anything at all. You know, it's like, are you guys serious or not? And so how do you, how do you balance that in your teams? Uh, it's tough. You know, I'm, uh, I'm exactly, exactly like you right yeah. there. There are some players that, you know, just have it in them. Uh, some that will just do what you ask them to do and some that, that don't. Uh, what I tell the, the players all the time is that, is that commitment is everything, you know. You're only as good as your level of commitment, in my opinion. So if you're committed to doing the work, whether it is by creating your own or, or by, uh, you know, repeating what's, what we're showing you, you know, um, at least you're getting better. And uh, but if you don't, then it's it's on your own. You yeah. Know? You will eventually uh, realize that uh, that you are gonna fall behind into into what you do, and uh, and so and that's that's gonna be a life lesson. Yeah. And uh, and so I think you it's it's so hard to tell people what to do. Yeah. It's so hard to constantly being behind them, and I you know whether it's a player or even a parent, you know, telling them, like, what you think would be best for, for their players. Uh, I think until people experience it themselves, then, then... For sure. And that's what makes this time even more challenging is because, you know, when we have practiced twice a week or three times a week or, you know, two practices in a game, we see them fairly often through the week mm -hmm. so we can always be in their ear and, like, giving them that, you know, that push but now we don't get to see them. So no. now is when, you know, and I told my players this, like this is a time where it requires extra mental strength. Like For sure. only you are going to be able to tell yourself to get up off the couch, turn off the TV and go outside and, and do what you got to do. Mm -hmm. You know, you know what you have to do and the work that you do alone is what is going to separate you individually. Yep. So, I mean, you know, I'm not going to be there to tell you to get off the couch. You just got to tell yourself to do it. And mm -hmm. if you can do it, then you're going to benefit from it. And if you can't, then you'll you'll see the difference. Yeah. And that's all you can do, really. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it it is, I mean, this whole period here, it, it can be like a, a 
we can take positives away from it, I think. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be something that really challenges a lot of people in general, not just like players, but coaches and parents too, you know? So um, they got to know, like, even if you are practicing regularly, like the work that you do on your own is the difference. And that's it. That's what makes you you, right? Yeah. That's what you said. I I tell that to my players too all the time. It's like, it's what's going to separate you from the rest. That's what makes you you. You know, and uh, like you said, there's uh, people will see a difference when they get back on the field. Yeah, they will miss, like you said, that uh, that connection with the other players. That you know, stuff that you create on a daily basis by being at practice, you know, together. Uh, but them on the ball, they will see a huge difference, yeah. huge improvement. Absolutely. And their desire should be off the roof anyway. Yeah. You know, desire to get back on the oh, field. Oh, yeah, they should man. be itching to get back <laughs> on the field, you know. They should – They we should be, like, dragging them back inside, you know, for mm-hmm. after, like, six hours of just being outside playing. Like, yeah. that's what it should be. But, unfortunately, it's just not with a lot of kids, you know. Yeah. And you just got to figure out the best way to attack that. You know, you don't want to – you don't want to push them too far where they just quit entirely, but at the same time, like you want to push them to that edge to where they figure it out for themselves. You know, yep. it's tough. It's tough. It um, so, what other ages do you have right now? I have uh, the 2007 boys. Um, they are currently playing in uh, Classic League D1. Okay. Um, and I have my. 2009 girls who are playing as well yeah. in the boys classic league D1. yeah I wanted to so do you have any other teams besides them uh no okay so you just have those three teams now at the moment four so the the, the two, two fours gotcha. and then, yes. okay so you've kind of just started to focus more on you know really the teams that you've spent a lot of time developing because I right. know those 09 girls are sharp and um Actually, at the beginning of the season, and I might—I may be wrong about this—but you guys are the first girls team to ever play in boys classically, right? Correct. Yes. Okay, that's massive. Like that—that that completely like changes the game for everyone. I think. Yes. So, talk to me about like I guess the feedback that you got leading up to that decision from you know coaches, parents, players within your club versus outside of your club. Well, you know, we um, we were playing last year. I mean, up to so last year, the entire season we played uh, we played the junior uh, junior Lake Islands League, I think, on the girls' side. Uh, so we played uh, we played uh, the girls' league that that potentially, if you win it. It qualifies you automatically, so you don't have to go through qualifying right. throughout the summer. So we were playing on the on the girls' side, but as well as playing on the boys' side. So we were playing like a, an academy league on the side, still on the boys' side. Okay. The entire season, every tournament that we had, we we had uh, we played on the boys, uh, you know, on the boys' division, and um, and once we got to the end of the season, we didn't know that we could qualify onto the boys uh, onto the boys' league. So during my parents' meeting, uh, we brought in uh, Juan Martinez, uh, which is the president of our club uh, now. And, uh, and during that, meet, that parents' meeting, he was like, uh, well, you guys should try to qualify in the boys' league. But we already had planned, you know, 
we had a, we won the girls league last year, so we had an automatic buy into into the girls uh, Lake Islands league, and so we kind of had the whole season planned out. We we're gonna do the girls, and then we we're gonna play certain tournaments and all that to keep challenging ourselves, mm -hmm. and we'll try to play boys tournaments as well. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Uh, and during that meeting, uh, Juan Martinez was telling us, hey, you guys should try to to qualify on the boys' side. And they were like, we don't think we can. And so he called the league, and the league was like, yeah, if they want to give it a try, they can give it a try. And so, so we kind of all looked. I mean, I looked at my parents and all that, and they were like, well, let's not make a, a decision right now today yeah. and uh, I think it took us we, we kind of took a week met against the following week kind of talked to group decision yes so we we kind of balance both sides talk to I talked to so many people that week you know parents coaches coaches outside the club you know and uh, and just trying to trying to make the right decision and at the end of the day came up to the same conclusion was like uh, you know you can uh, can go the secure route and probably, uh, I mean, you'll be challenged for a few games throughout the season and uh, and almost create a dynasty, you know, on the girls' side, winning everything and all that. And uh, I'm not saying that we, we would have, right. but... Uh, or, or you can do what's really best for them. You can, yes. Yeah. And we always been about... Uh, there is a different route, right. you know. To me, there's a different route, and uh, that's kind of like how we always done everything through street soccer, smart soccer, rush, you know, defeaters. And so I was like, what do we stand for? You know, pushing the girls, developing them to the best they can be, and uh, and being different, you know. And so that was that was it, you know. It's uh, we're like we will take the chance to to give up everything that we have obviously we had some kind of plan b but uh i think that if we would have failed <laughs> uh i don't know if we would have gone through with the plan b anyway yeah. uh, but what was the plan b plan b was to to play in uh you know the junior development league which is not really a fully established league it's mm -hmm. you know they don't don't keep track of the score and all that and uh that league barely made uh but it's uh it used to be much higher than it is now. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we're just thinking if we don't do that, then we'll play in that league at the, at the highest, you know, higher gotcha. age group. So uh, compared to the other 09 teams, girls teams in the area, what, obviously you guys were, you know, at the top, but, like, what were, I guess, like the second, third, fourth, fifth best teams, how were they competing against you? Um... We, I think uh, there was really two other teams in the area that we were really competing against. Uh, two solid team, Solar Angeloni, uh, which we we beat in Supercopa. You know, 
uh, 1-0. We beat them in a in a, in the final of the tournament. I think it was 4-1 or 3-0, something like that. Uh, so they they were they were pretty close to us, um, but we didn't ever. You know, we never lost against them. Yeah. Um, and uh, and like I said, you know, um, what the other team was, uh, Solar South. Okay. Coached by. I have a couple of girls that I trained. Gave in that team. Yeah. And uh, that team was that team was good. I think. Uh, I think uh, we we played them in that little league that we won last year on the girls side, and uh, and we we squeezed it by them yeah. you know yes uh, so what was the reaction from them whenever they found out that you guys were making that move uh, well I'm not really sure to be honest yeah. uh, we you didn't really, <laughs> you didn't really, really hear anything no I'm a, I'm big on the this is what we we do I don't really go and look oh, at oh sure other. and I wasn't implying that but I just mean you know I'm sure that there was a lot of like um, you know criticism from well, that the decision criticism was not on the girl side really it was on the boy side okay and so interesting so the the girl side I think they before, were cool with it they were like were okay cool yeah do it. it and especially Solar Solar since we we gave up our spot into the girls league yeah. we came right oh. back to them so they didn't have to yeah, go through sure. qualifying so they were happy with it um, and um, but it was more on the boy side of it saying like uh, I can't believe that you guys are letting you know, a girls team in, and uh, and you know they're not gonna make it, and some uh, egos getting hurt. Yes, exactly. And once we actually qualified, which you know, when doing qualifying, when we asked them if we can enter it, they were like, "Sure, you can, but you're gonna be treated like any other team." And yeah. we're like, "Okay, well, that's what we want," yeah. you know, and um, and so, but we we thought that they would look at our record throughout the entire season like any other team. To seat us into the tournament, mm. and uh, no, they set us. They, they seat us that dead last. Really? So we were the last seed. So we're playing against the number one Texan seed, you know, uh, and uh, and two other great teams, and uh, and and finished first in our group. Wow. Uh, I mean, it was. I mean, you know, it's a special group of girls, uh, and uh, they they truly are amazing. And, uh, well, I've heard a lot of things about them, and I've never been able to see them play because um, our 9 boys don't play in the Classic League. You know, mm-hmm. like you were talking about, like, I'm just – there's a different route, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that we can get the same exact competition that we would get in Classic League playing friendlies with mm-hmm. the same teams, and we can go and play in a cheaper, you know, league that allows us more flexibility to just yeah. do what we want to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm pushing against that a little bit, but there is also that pull, you know, to, to I guess, be able to attract, you know, top players like you need to be playing in that league. And so that yeah. makes it challenging because obviously I'm developing my players, but to be able to get new players as the roster expands, yeah. I got to be, you know, playing in, in, in Classic League to be able to do that. Yeah. But anyways, so I know that y'all's, team had actually you know in the fall season uh were right there you know up in the top few teams like mm-hmm. were how did you finish in the fall uh to be honest i can't i, I know you we, were we were i know we went we were seven seven and four i would i would think so you were oh, up no, there in like six, the top four 
Because I remember we lost. It was either six and four or uh, seven and three. I think it was seven and three. Because I remember we won the first game, and then went on a three-game losing streak, uh, and then and then almost won all the games after that. Yeah. So that was a nice little slap in the face yes. to some of those boys teams that doubted you guys, huh? Oh, for sure. Especially I mean, one that criticized you know, throughout of it uh, prior. After you know, prior qualifying, after qualifying, you know, and then during uh, the whole league, I bet too. The, I mean, during the whole league, and and we turned around and beat them in the league. We beat them in the tournament, and I mean, they didn't know what to say. I love it, and uh, and it's it's awesome, you know, yeah. when you when you get that, and especially when the coach comes to see you and say like, you know, I mean, I'm sorry for if I ever said anything yeah. about about your team because uh, you guys deserve to be here, you know. That's that's definitely when it when it feels the best is whenever you yeah. know a coach can just like put his ego to the side exactly. and just like yeah. yeah, that's how you get better. That's but um, yeah, so I mean, obviously, I, I I knew that they were doing very well in the league, and uh, we had registered our boys for the city futsal um, invitational league, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I saw that you guys were in it, so I was really looking forward to playing your team and seeing what they looked like and uh you know there were also other teams from classic one that were you know in that top half of of the league as well so it was a really yeah. good competitive league mm-hmm. you know our boys are are you know they can move the ball they can touch mm-hmm. the ball very well they're organized um but with them it's about teaching them how to compete at a high level mm-hmm. and so this this past fall we played in the u90c division one so there's some classic one teams in it, some classic two teams in it, but overall a pretty good level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with them it was just, you know, we, we're right there, we're, we're performing well, but we got to compete, we got to do the little bit extra, you know what I mean? Like, that's just the intangible stuff. I can't, can't do it for you, like, we yeah. just got to work. Mm-hmm. And it, so, you know, that, the, the, the goal with them has been to play them in a division where they're just a little bit behind, you know what I mean, in terms of the speed of play. They can play, but can they play at the speed to beat the top teams? Mm-hmm. And that's been the challenge for them. So futsal, you know, again, was a lot of that same, you know, with you guys and some other Classic 1 teams. And all of our games have been close. You know, we, I think we actually didn't win any of the games in that uh, winter league, but they were all close within, like, you know, two goals. And in futsal, that's nothing. Yeah. But um, I remember playing y'all's team in – you were the only other team that we played in the league where I was like, okay, they're organized. Like, they can actually play. And none of the other teams could do that. There were some good individual players yep. that could do things on their own and, you know, probably more than we could do individually. But as a, as a group, as a collective, like, they, they didn't have, you know, that yep. organization to their play at all. So I was really pleased to see that. And you could see our boys just, like, like I told them what was about to happen, you know, mm-hmm. before the game. And, um, you know, I'm sure they didn't really take it that seriously. But as soon as the game started, they showed them the respect that they deserved. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You could just see them like they weren't pressing as hard. Like, you know, they were more just trying to, like, contain. Yeah, and, yeah. and um, no, it was a good game because then once we started getting into it, you weren't there for that game. No. But once we started getting into it, um, you know, it was it was back and forth. Mm-hmm. You know, we would have spells of possession. You guys yeah. would have the ball, so it was it was competitive. I think you guys won like five to three or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that was a lot of fun. And awesome. um, you know, 
you're definitely doing something good with that group right there. Oh, thank you. How long have you had the majority of that team? Um, I've had them since uh, it started with two players that I had uh, since they were like six, six years old. So I guess five years ago. Um, and then we kind of, uh, I think we recruited two, two other players to so the core group of maybe, you know, six players uh, that we've had. I've had it for five years. Wow. Um, and then we've, uh, we've added after that, uh, you know, you know, four, four or six other players uh, in the course of it. They kind of have but helped strengthen the team. Yeah. yeah. But it was, you know, how it is to create team at, at the youngest age group. It was really like, you know, three to four core player. And well, then it, it is literally dependent on whether or not those players stick with you. Exactly. You know, if yeah. you've got a good coach, if you're in a good program, stay with them. You know, like, I cannot say that enough. Like, all you're doing is killing your player, just moving them from one place to another. You are. And yeah. I'm getting there, you know, with my own nine boys. Mm -hmm. Like I said, like, we're pretty solid now. Like, I'm, I'm not too worried about anybody leaving. And we're in a position where now we can be selective and only add players that yeah. improve the squad. So we're, we're finally getting to that stage. But... I mean, it sh goes to show right there what will happen if you just stick with the program. Like, you guys are the top girls team in the, in the country. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, that's what it is. Like, Yeah, I mean, it, like you said, can't say it enough. If you, if you find the right environment with the right coach, do not worry about where you play, you mm -hmm. know. It will take care of itself, yeah. you know. Uh, I was reading something the other day that my old coach – Tom Durkin posted actually, mm -hmm. and it was like, if you've been bouncing from team to team, I don't want you on my team. I saw something like that recently too, and uh, and it's so true, you know. Um, you gotta, you know, if you if you know it's a, it's a good coach that cares about your player, you know, it's half of the battle. If uh, if your player keeps developing, then it's it's the other half of the battle, yeah. you know. And if they're happy, then then eventually, you know, it will all come together. Definitely so important for sure well listen i know that we've been talking for a good minute here and uh, i know that we could definitely go on for longer but um i want to save some of this for another time where we can come back and talk more in depth about your coaching philosophy and what specifically you're doing day to day with your players because um, that's you know what is the most interesting for me but Really what this episode is meant to do is just to, you know, share your story um, so that people can understand you a little bit better and hopefully take some inspiration away from, you know, your experiences. So a um, couple questions that I had that I just wanted to finish up with you. The first one was, you know, just what's next for you? What do you, what do you, what, what are the next steps you're going to take with your 09s, you know, with your 04s? Now they're getting to that age where you're thinking about college for them and different things. So what does the next year, or five years, ten years look like for, for you? Uh, man, to be honest, the next step is to, is to keep getting better. Yeah. Keep getting better uh, as a coach. That's um, all we can really do. That's all you can really do. Um, I know that I've, I spent so much time uh, focusing on my academy and on my players uh, that uh, I haven't focused enough on myself. Uh, and by 
what I mean by that is getting uh, getting my coach's degrees, mm -hmm. and that's that's really my next step that I want is is to really be able to to get a little more time to to get those degrees that yeah. I need. Um, I think that's I have a pretty good knowledge that I established by myself. But there's also uh, I need to get those those um, those licenses to get yeah. to the next level. And that's, have you started on them? Uh, well, I got yeah. I started uh, you know I did the grassroots again yeah. and then I uh, started on my D. Yeah. And uh, and I got my national use license. Okay. Um, but it's uh, you know it's it's starting again from the bottom. Yeah. And, uh, and it's oh, great. Cause the, the, because of the format, you have yes. to start over again. Yeah. I had to do the same thing. And I was a little bit bitter about it at first, mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. Because I didn't want to just spend the time and money to do something that I had already done. But, mm -hmm. you know, it it is important to have the licenses because it gives you more credibility. But what you should be doing them for is for the actual, like, value that you can take away from it. Absolutely. And no matter what you do, you can always take something away from mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So, like, you know, I definitely, when I showed up to the first uh, session of the D course, you know, having to do it all over again, mm -hmm. I was a little bit annoyed at first, but I quickly snapped out of that and realized, like, I was going to be able to take a lot away from that weekend. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's definitely important to just understand, like, you can get something out of anything that yeah. you do. Plus, just just the instructor itself. Yeah. You know, if you, if you get if you get your D license from someone, you know, a few years That's back, true. and the new instructor that you get, you know, yeah. could be completely. We different. always said with, uh, you know, the, the guy that I work with Chad Deering, we always said, you know, uh, coaches are a bunch of pirates. You know, yeah. we just steal what we want from other coaches, and that's going to those licenses. I think that's what's best is is when. You hear someone putting it in a different perspective or in other words, and you see a different style. And it just makes you thinking about it in exactly. a different way, yeah. you know, and it yeah. just sparks another idea in yeah. your head. And so, but that's that's on the coach's side. On the on my player's side, obviously, I want to keep, I want to graduate those 2004. I want them to be able to, to all uh, be where they want to be, you yeah. know, college-wise. Uh, I know there's maybe one or two that would love to go the professional route. I would love to be able to give that to them yeah um and um and for you know for my 07 you know 07 boys the same you know i think that's i wanted them to continue to develop because it was a great group uh i lost a lot of talent on that group from two other clubs you know to go play in leagues that we didn't have that that's we true. don't have um and um and so it's really really starting to rebuilding that group and um and they're really doing well right now, so I hope that can just continue in that direction. Yeah. And hopefully, DKC will acquire ECNL soon, so they can play in that at that level. And for the 09 girls, you know, it's uh, it's going to be facing adversity. Yeah. You know, the when Trying you to when you are complacency when too. you are number one, yes, absolutely. When you are number one, you know, there's only one <laughs> one way yeah. from there, you know. And so, it's uh, it's going to be challenging gonna be challenging to keep that group together and to keep them you know at the level that they need to be for sure and so yeah I mean definitely I'm gonna have to get creative on ways yeah. to keep challenging them but uh, I would imagine that you'd be able to figure it out yeah I mean, we got ideas yeah you know and uh, I think it's it's the right idea 
So we'll see. So you really see yourself, you know, with DKSC for you know long term. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not yeah. going anywhere. I That's love, awesome. I love it. Like found I found a place that you great, know really suits you. Great group of of people and. Uh, you know, that's what I've always wanted. I've always been kind of by myself with, with uh, I mean, Chad Deering and Leo Rangera. Mm-hmm. And the only, been, the only two coaches that only been with me always. Yeah. But I always wanted to be, you know, surrounded by a real group of coaches that yeah. will challenge you and, and help you grow, you know, sure. on a daily basis and like-minded, you know, yeah. that's the biggest thing. And uh, finally been, you know, finally funded. So yeah. um, don't... Don't plan on going anywhere. I love it. So, what are the biggest challenges you faced on your journey, and how did you overcome them? Uh, I would think that some of it is, I think, time. Time is a big challenge. You know, uh, time and trust uh, are the biggest factor to me. I want to develop players the right way, um, and. Uh, and it takes time. It takes time, and it takes trust, uh, and it takes failure on my side. You know, not thinking that despite what I think the right way is, it's always going to work. Mm-hmm. Is is being able to to get there by overcoming, you know, whatever obstacle is in front of you. But mainly, like you know, uh, if you want to develop teams and players the the, the way you. You want to see them play. I think time is the biggest issue that you get, and a lot of the time, especially here in the the environment that we are, uh, people expect a result right away, and so time can be your biggest enemy. Definitely. I mean, even at the highest level, you yeah. know, like you look at managers that get sacked after like you know ninety days in charge of their club. It's like, how do you possibly expect them to do anything in that amount of time? Yeah. You know. But hey, it's a it's a competitive industry. It is. It is absolutely. Um, so you know, when people face those typical challenges, then why do you think they fail or not overcome them? Um, part of it, I think, when people face adversity you know I think uh, sometimes I mean and I'm talking mostly for for soccer uh, is the lack of love for the game Uh, that's what I see the most I think when you face adversity if you don't have a a love for the game then it's it's tough yeah you know Um, and I know for me as a coach and as a player uh, that's what got me through it that's what got me through, uh, through all of it. Because at the end of the day, hey, I love, <laughs> I love this game. Yeah. And uh, whether it is, you know, in not playing in the position that I want, or you know, uh, not getting the minutes that I want, I still want to be out there. Yeah. And uh, and if you don't have the love of, for what you, for what you do, uh, then it's hard to to overcome that adversity. And uh, and it takes, you know, obviously again it takes hard work and commitment like we talk about and uh and you gotta be you gotta be committed to to what you do definitely couldn't have said it better myself so what is your def- definition of greatness um <laughs> it will it will sound very identical 
But uh, my definition of greatness is being able to overcome adversity yeah. and still love it. For sure. Because if you're able Just to... flipping it on its head exactly, there. Exactly. If you're able to overcome it and still coming out of it while loving, the, loving it, whether it is at the, you know, whether you are completely successful or not, um, I think that's, that's success in its own. Well, because that, that is the, the exact meaning of maximizing your potential, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're going to fail, you're going to make mistakes, but if, if you just stop going after that, yeah. then that, you know, you're, that's not success right there. But exactly. if you can keep going and, and, and keep going with the same level of enthusiasm, yes. well, you're achieving personal greatness. Yeah. And that can't be measured by anybody else, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so going back to, you know, your time as a youth player, or maybe even just when you were first getting started coaching, what advice would you give to your yourself? Uh, don't take anything for granted. Yeah. Again... I think even me as a player took too much for granted for where I was, for what I had, um, thinking I knew everything. Um, I think that's the biggest thing, you know, the older you, you you are, the more you realize what you had, what I had, and uh, it's listen to your elders and don't take anything for granted. You have no idea. When I was a kid playing at PSG, how many... People tell you, first of all, stay grounded, and then second of all, you know, um, don't, uh, what, they would tell you, don't, don't take anything for granted, and don't, uh, don't party, yeah. you know, stay focused on what you want to do, don't get distracted by anything else around you, you know, uh, and um, don't, and that's, I think, for me, that's a piece of advice that I would say. I say, don't take anything for granted. Don't be distracted, and uh, and because yeah. there is so much distraction that can take you away from from what you want. And Definitely. at the end of the day, what others want is not really what you want. And even some distractions that are not really like related to other people. You know what I mean? Just yeah. procrastinating within yourself can be a distraction. Yeah. You know, so that's a tough one for sure. Finally, what message would you like to leave our listeners with? Love the game. Man, it's, it's a beautiful game. And, uh, and if, you, if you really want to get to the next level, uh, you know, obviously you got to believe in yourself, but you got to love the game. Yeah. Because, uh, because whatever you're going to face, whatever is in front of you, if you, if you love it, it, it won't matter. Yeah. It won't matter. And, uh, and creating that relationship with, with the ball, with your teammates and all that is, is everything. And I think at a time like this, we're really seeing who loves it and who doesn't. Absolutely. You know? I and mean, it's, it's a true test right now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, hopefully that uh, you can get through this time, you know, out on the, the better end of things. And I know that I will too. But it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you sitting down with me, man. And guys, if you're listening, please make sure you share this episode with all your friends on social media, uh, give us a like, you know, comments, review, whatever you got to do. Um, thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you guys next time. Peace.